Thanks for listening to the History Buff podcast with your resident history buff and Berlin tour guide, Artie. If you're enjoying the podcast, then you can really, really help us by liking and sharing the episodes on social media and rating the podcast on your streaming platform. If you'd like to see more History Buff content, then please give us a follow on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. Links are in the show notes. Thank you for your support. And today um, I am with a friend and fellow history buff, buff. this time an actual trained historian, (laughs) um, Anna Morris, and we're going to talk about someone called Sissi, who was an empress of Austria-Hungary, and we're going to have a bit of a discussion, and yeah, Anna or as I call her, Morris. Um, <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Arthie. Yeah, no, I uh, I studied history and German, but I think this is a topic very close to my heart. Because? Um, because I am half Austrian. Um, so yeah, I can sit here for hours and talk about my nation's sweetheart. Yes. Or was she? Yes, Ooh. I know. But that's the point. She, um, she really is the topic of a lot of films and series and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this probably saw the Netflix series that came out quite recently which was very good. Well absolutely I think um, I mean it's incredible that someone could have such a impact on media Hmm. you know because I so I grew up with Sissy as a household name Um, thanks very much to the um, early films created in 1950. It's a, tr- a trilogy called Sissy. And the actress who plays Sissy is a, is a lady called Romy Schneider. Mm-hmm. And she is kind of got the ball rolling with all kinds of historical film. The idea of taking a historical figure and creating this story. So Romy Schneider is kind of the Audrey Hepburn of the Germanic world or, mm-hmm. or Europe, because she was mm-hmm. also um, half and she French. Was she was half Austrian, half French, um, I think, or at least she spoke completely fluent French. Features in a lot of um, 1950s, 60s French films as well. And she portrays this beautiful fairy tale mm-hmm. of Sissy. And that's what people love about it, right? Well, the films were a huge success. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to separate truth from legend. Yes. Because it's very easy to create this kind of princess fairy tale concept but, around someone who was actually... But that, that is what people love, though. Yeah, I mean, that's sure. I mean, you know, it's the same thing, you know, with the story of the Romanovs, um, the story of, you know, because the Romanovs, there's a certain amount of mysticism yeah. surrounding their story, and I think that's what attracts people to it. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. But, I mean, you know, aside from anything, you know, obviously Sissy was, you know, she was known to be a, a very beautiful woman, you know, she had famously long hair, you know, she embodied the splendour of royalty, but whilst also grappling with the challenges of her role. Exactly. And then it's actually recently that, you know, you dive in and you realise that she was very troubled. And it's a fascinating, you know, very poignant story of a beautiful woman um, who had absolutely no fantasies of fame and glory, who had this fame and glory thrust upon her yeah. and really hated it. Um, leading to a lot of problems and a lot of like dark complexities. So yeah, she's a she's a difficult one to decipher. <laughs> she went against the grain of the established protocols of the court, 
and she you know was known to be to have these ideas that I think weren't very common in the Austrian court of course, I mean of course they arguably she was an absolutely useless empress yeah, so no, <laughs> and, um, a question that I think is I think a lot of people wonder why she's so iconic do you think she could be considered the original people's princess or do you think it's different I think she could be considered the the people's princess from the fact that she has been portrayed as you know very likable um very humble maybe more relatable in the sense that she prioritized things like horse riding um to you know showing up to to court and yes. so arguably yes on the other hand she absolutely wasn't a people's princess at all because yes. when you kind of delve into her as a person I mean, she was so absent, so withdrawn. Um, she wrote very deep poetry about, you know, isolation and darkness. And the, she actually took very little interest in politics or people other than Hungary. She is obviously a very fascinating woman. And the more I've read about her, I can see that she had a very tragic life. So yeah. I'm looking forward to delving into a bit Maybe more. Maybe we should start by introducing her, Artie, if you want to, uh, just for anyone who doesn't know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll introduce her, um, her upbringing. Yes. Okay, so Sissy, or Elizabeth, mm. um, she was born in Munich to a Bavarian duke and an Austrian princess on the 24th of December, 1837. And she grew up in, I think it was... She... she grew up in a, a castle, the castle Possenhofen, mm-hmm. just outside Munich. Mm-hmm. Sissy lived this kind of very lovely childhood on a, in a castle with a farm, doing lots of horse riding and reading and sometimes skipping her you know, school lessons to go fishing or hunting. But I think it is important to note that Sissy was a very restless child and she carried this restlessness with her her whole life this inability to settle arguably to focus but she had a happy childhood right from what we know she had a happy childhood i mean her father was pretty absent um and actually when we think about if we compare the the current netflix series the empress to the 1950s uh sissy trilogy the father is portrayed very differently yeah but if you look at her father maximilian the baron of bavaria he was also a character who was absent he would flee around bavaria away from any kind of duty did she prefer her father because that's what the, i think that's what the netflix series made it seem that I think she got on better with her dad, but she never saw him. She, arguably, she related better to her dad yeah. because she was similar in the sense of like running away, withdrawing, being out in nature, not wanting to have anything to do with this court life. And obviously, they were quite removed from Vienna, the Austrian court, whereas yeah. her mother would always be tied to court life because her sister was the Archduchess of Austria. Yeah. And in 1953, you have Franz Josef's 23rd birthday. He's still single. And his mother has decided he must marry and he will marry Helena of Bavaria, Sissy's older sister. Older sister, yeah. Um, who, on paper, has all the makings of a fine empress. Uh, the whole family travels to Ischgl to uh, celebrate the, the emperor's birthday and to announce the engagement between Helena of Bavaria and Emperor Franz Josef I. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, slight problem when they got there, Sissy, who was just delighted to go along for the ride. Yeah, she was just vibing. She was just vibing. She was like vibing, chilling, like super <laughs> bubbly, like really carefree. Know, yeah. um, and in comparison, her sister, I mean, do you know what? If someone told me I was about to go and get uh, engaged to an emperor, I'd also be a bit nervous. So we can't, you know. So that's probably why, though. Because, of course, she was bottled up. Exactly, she was yeah. trembling. She was. Are boring. <laughs> Whereas Sissy was like, woohoo. No, I remember the Netflix series portraying that very well. Yeah, yeah. The initial meeting, because yeah. there's this moment between Franz and Sissy mm. where Sissy's just like, da 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 da, cha 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 cha. And yeah. Franz immediately falls Yeah, she in doesn't love. have a filter on her mind. No, she, and and she no, doesn't. And he's have really to. taken by that. And I would be. I mean, if you meet someone who doesn't say all the stuff that you think you says should every- hear but tells you things that <laughs> says you know, everything you know they're not gonna say <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, um, that's but, but yeah absolutely so france falls in love immediately yeah. um and within two days the now 23 year old france who was the first is engaged to his cousin and, and, uh, and by the way S- and sissy is 15 sissy is 15 you sound very disapproved now. Yes, I know. It's just crazy to think if that was like replicated in these times. Yeah, I'm really glad. Like, it's can not. you imagine Prince William being 23 and, and no, being he and engaged to 15 year old Eugenie yeah, back to Beatrice? Like, oh my god, that's, oh, that's weird. Obviously, that was normal back then, but like, yeah. I mean, the Habsburgs—they all marry amongst each other. Don't well, they? the whole of the European um, royalty did. Because also, if you look at a picture of of King George and Tsar Nicholas together, they look identical people listening go on <laughs> on google and type in king george and czar nicholas it's honestly crazy their mothers were sisters but they could have been those two could have been twins honestly um so back to um the 1800s back to the, back to the Hapsides. <laughs> so elizabeth is sent off for six months um to basically learn how to be an empress right? basically a crash course before they get married in 1854 and honestly, that's where the trouble starts. And 1854, that's a year after they meet. He is 23, she is 16. Oh, do you keep making that point? Well, no, it's just <laughs> crazy to me. Obviously, as I say, back then it was normal. But the thing is, it's more the fact that 23 and 16, that's only, how many years? That's only eight years? Mm. No, seven years. Seven year difference, which to be honest, is not that much. It's really not that much. But at that time of life, it is. Well, now we think that, yeah. obviously. Mm. Um, at the time, this was completely normal. So, Sissy arrives as a 15-year-old in court. Uh-huh. And she is basically completely... Unprepared. Unprepared, overwhelmed. I mean, I don't know what kind of 15-year-old would be prepared for of that. Of course not. It's quite a sad story that her entire life, she was famously quoted for saying... Um, that the the schloss is a golden cage. A gilded cage. A golden cage. Okay. Um, but what we probably should highlight is Francie also f- fell in love with her. It was it a was, love it was a, it was a mar- Because it was a the thing is, though, love, people completely. need to realise that back then, marrying out of love, especially in aristocratic upper-class circles, it was was not common. No like one if, if for you love. if you were to marry out of love, you were very lucky. Yeah. Like I in terms of royal families, the only other example I know is of um Tsar Nicholas and um, Alexandra. That's the only other love couple that I actually Oh yeah, you're know right. Of. I don't think I know of any other love Yeah. Marriages. Because because back then you married for dynastic reasons and yeah. for convenience. And to maintain the bloodline yes, and exactly. But anyway, so they married completely for love. 
always the letters between them were very affectionate and taught, they was friends their whole life. And she famously said that, I love the emperor, if only he were not the emperor. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know much about Franz Josef I. Did mm. he enjoy being an emperor? Was he a good emperor? Well, because I feel like Sissy is more famous than Sissy's Franz Sissy is absolutely more famous. She's also a lot more interesting. Yes, oh my God. I yes. mean, Franz Josef was... There's a lot of accounts of him being very dominated by his mother. Again, this... Um, the Archduchess. The Archduchess. So there's a saying that she was uh, known as the only... A bitch. <laughs> yeah, that. And um, the only man in the Austrian court... Ah, okay, I like that. <laughs> oh, that's just Sophie, the, oh, that's the so only good. man okay, in the well, Austrian so, court. Yeah, now moving on to court. Yeah. So, so they've just gotten married. Yeah. And, you know, it was supposed to be a good match, keeping it in the family. But what we actually have is a young emperor ruling 600,000 square meters, 40 different nationalities. On every single border, there is conflict. And you basically have Franz Josef running around his empire. He was seen to be thoroughly decent, uh, very, very conservative, you know, kind of the rigid stick of an imperial servant um, and prepared to sacrifice all for his position. Married to... So she definitely always came second. I mean, she absolutely did. She was left alone a lot. And she was also kind of as a character, you have someone who is spontaneous, uh, brooding, uh, fantasizing, devoted to poetry and very highly strung. Exactly. Very, well, I think that's key. Very highly strung. Mm. And, and that's, I think, part of the reason why she always clashed with the, the only man of the court. Well, uh, the only man yeah, of the court. So, yeah, Back to so, Archduchess Sophie. Yeah, Archduchess Sophie. Because yeah. they, I think they were both obviously quite highly strung and I think both competed for the it love of... Ferdinand, of, not yeah. Ferdinand, I guess the laughing people. Well, yeah, I mean, so, so when, uh, two, a year after her marriage or something, so Sissy has her first baby, right. uh, Sophie, and immediately uh, Archduchess Sophie takes Sophie, Sophie into her care. And she has to have visiting hours to visit her child. Right. And she it goes back to this idea of sissy being in a golden cage i mean not only is she not political but you know she is used to being able to i mean she was skipping school Mm -hmm. to go riding and now she has to have you know she has to schedule it in she has to have an entourage she has to have guards she's so she's so she's fundamentally an uncomplicated woman like she disapproved of apparently the lavish lifestyle of the courtiers and saw them as out of touch with the needs of the people absolutely but then on the other hand she was very vain yeah. obsessed with her physical appearance yeah. obsessed with her she had like beauty. mud baths no not mud baths she, she had like mud sl- facials or something well she slapped raw meat on her face <laughs> <laughs> right and, um, and took like really cold baths yeah she I was mean, obsessed with youth and obsessed beauty. with youth she stopped being painted and after the age of 32 stopped being painted yep there's a like most of her portraits are before the age of 32 so she's always seen as young um, oh really? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Right. She had a gym. Um, very untypically, she had the gym obviously put into her room. Um, she slept with. So obviously, we spoke about her hair. She slept without a pillow, with her hair in chain, chained up against the wall wow. behind her. So because her hair was very famous. Her hair was it? very famous, and it was waist length, all ankle like, length, up to yeah, no, I think up to like. It was very long. It was it was very long. Really long. It was very long. Um, but she's seen as the start of Kerpa culture. Right. Yeah. 
body culture. But, no, but that's a good thing, right? It is to a certain extent, not with her. When mm. she lost Sophie, she didn't eat for several days. Wow. She, um, this is something that's very predominant in her life, going through long periods of not eating. Yes. It's obviously dealing with stress. She was, she was, which made her very ill. She obviously had three children at a young age and was constantly kind of pushed back to her husband. But she no, but then she also did travel a lot. She was she wasn't at she just basically wasn't at court. Yeah, so she ended up kind of leaving court. And actually, do you know what? Francie also really supported this. Oh really? He used to um he wherever they went he set up uh kind of a safe space for her. I mean there's it's so hard to tell because there are situations where you can kind of you know, you kind of resent Sissy for mm. her lack of interest in her children which Mm. later led to her son's suicide yes and she clearly knew that she was being a bit of a shit wife she was meant to be by Francie Wilson's side Mm. um but she prioritized being away well that i mean i think that's the ultimate hallmark of a free spirit is someone who needs their own time and travel for sure rather than it was remember it stemmed by huge health complications Mm. tuberculosis the doctor sent her to warm countries right um so she swapped in kind of the austrian mountains for corfu island uh traveled extensively through greece because she was so ill she was so fragile for her whole life um maybe it was the effect of difficult births early maybe it was the insanity of the stress she didn't want to be an empress right it's not that she had any idea to be an empress she didn't want to be an empress she just loved france Mm. and the thing is the job of an empress you're supposed to be this symbol of grace and strength and nurturing like your job is to produce heirs exactly and she didn't there was a lot of stress because she had two girls first okay that's not her fault but then she had a son so so the court i'm I'm guessing also her mother-in-law was like come on the clock is ticking you need to have it you need to have a boy and then she gets a boy but because she's so he was apparently a very sensitive child Right. Who was completely neglected by his mother, who was still mourning the loss of her first daughter. She, I mean, she had very difficult births, mm. all of them, very, very difficult. Uh, stillborn as well, I think she miscarried a few times. And this is someone who's under 50 kg, who is under huge amounts of psychological pressure and is trapped in without a husband because he's obviously always off fighting wars, fighting at borders. Yeah. It's... I mean, she breaks down. I just can't imagine that pressure to feel... I mean, you know, women already have a lot of pressure in society to feel like they should have children. But in that situation, to have to have a male child... Yeah. Like, you know... <laughs> and, you could keep having children. Yeah, well, no, no I mean, the, but then, that, that's what happened to, to um, Alexandra Romanov. Yeah, true. She, she, she had, like, kept six, having, she had, she had she four had daughters. Four daughters. <laughs> and, you know, and then by 1904, she was kind of in despair, and she had Alexei, but then Alexei had haemophilia. Well, this is the same. Look at Rudolf, um, the the son that Franz Josef and, and Sissy finally had a, had a boy, and very, very tragic story of suicide. We'll uh, talk about that in just a second. Also something that I really, I think, appreciate about Sissy is that she was very tolerant and she appreciated cultural diversity. And that was especially true when it came to Hungary, right? Mm. So she really championed Hungary. And I read that a lot of the court didn't like this because they were like, we're Austria, we're the rulers, we 
you know, and so they thought it was quite... Um, it wasn't very becoming of an Austrian mm. empress to be so to be advocating Absolutely, and yeah. championing Hungarian language and culture, which yeah. I don't know. I, I think is really cool, to be honest. Absolutely. Like I have also read that she really empathised with the poor. She did. And she she championed charities and she did a lot she of did. charitable work. I think she gave, I mean, after she died, I think she gave most of her fortune and everything to the poor. Right. Um, Is that maybe partly why she's remembered so fondly? Absolutely, for sure. You know, you could argue, did it come out of rebellion against the lavish situation she was in? Mm. That she was trying to prove a point. But I think more so she was, she did just probably feel more comfortable mm. with with people who were not... With, with commoners. With commoners. <laughs> uh, with, uh, obsessed with this kind of etiquette. Yes. Very, no, definitely. very stiff. And, no, but that's what I've read, is that she, she just hated formality. Yeah, I think she just, I mean, it completely trapped her. Yeah. I mean, if absolutely everything in your life has to be approved and if you you're on exactly. show i mean no wonder day, she ran away yeah she ran away for months and months and months you know she wasn't there <laughs> yes exactly so i think we've mentioned it a few times already but she suffered a huge tragedy in 1889 which was the suicide of her son who sadly experienced very very little love from either parent was sensitive and fragile and he had a he married uh, Princess Stephanie of Belgium, and it was a very unhappy marriage. Um, because obviously, so he was actually with his, I think his seventeen-year-old mistress. He was with a seventeen-year-old mistress at a yeah. hunting lodge in I can't remember what it's. I forget the name. So but in it a was hun- uh, Mayerling. Yeah, a hunting lodge, and they and it was a murder-suicide pact. So I think he shot her and then shot himself or something like that. I think it was poison. Oh, okay. I think it was poison because his mouth was all cut up, which is the effects of a poison. Right. And this was obviously a huge scandal at the time because mm. for the crown prince Rudolf to commit suicide was just... Yeah, because I mean, obviously, you know, that's, you know, the ultimate sin is committing suicide, but also he was with his mistress. And yeah. so this obviously creates a huge scandal. And so Cece is absolutely devastated but you know she has to deal with a scandal at court which, which i can't imagine how traumatic i mean, I mean she's that just is. unequipped to deal with anything yeah. at this point um she goes on to wear black for the rest of her life and like queen victoria she, um like queen victoria mm. do you know what's interesting i found out that the austrian library only released in 2015 copies of vetsera's who's the mistress of rudolf a letter of farewell to her mother and Rudolf wrote a letter to Sissy um, kind of begging for her, her forgiveness and oh. the Austrian library National Library only, only released these wow. like eight years ago god that's crazy yeah they saved that they were hidden in an Austrian bank from like 1926 oh my god that's and mental. it was yeah it was yeah. Wow, I want to see those dots. <laughs> yeah. I want to see those dots. I think we need a trip to Vienna. Office. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's do it. Um, I know. I think they actually they said he died due to a rupture of a aneurysm of the heart. Oh. Yeah. So I think they said it was down to a medical um, problem, and okay. then there was a lot of rumors about um, Vetsera's mother um, running from the scene, and it was just uh, said that she died on the way to Venice. Then it was that said that she murdered him. 
Anyway, so lots of foreign correspondence causing lots and lots of chaos. Right. Um, but Sissy obviously completely mentally and physically unequipped to deal with any of this, completely haunted, completely withdraws from any kind of public life. Becomes a recluse. Becomes a recluse and pretty much not seen mm. until the day of her assassination. As so, if it couldn't uh, get any worse I for her. Know, exactly. No. Pretty tragic final <laughs> few so, years. Yeah. So, yeah, in um, September 1898, uh, she's in Geneva. Basically, as always, she was traveling. Um, and she was in Geneva and she was walking on a pavement uh, along the river um, walking to board a steamship to go out on Lake Geneva and this is when an Italian anarchist called Luigi Luceni comes up behind her and stabs her in the chest with a sharpened file. A sharpened file. You know it was so fine that she people didn't even realize for ages. Really? Yeah. She don't, it wasn't like dramatic or anything. Like it was, I think she, it took her a while to realize. Oh, so she just it's went like, on with her day. She kind of, She yeah. like really got on board the, Classic got on board the boat. just chilling. Like, yeah, just, just be like, oh. <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know we shouldn't be making fun out of that. No, but like, it's horrible. But, but yeah, so she was rushed to hospital, but yeah, um, died of internal bleeding and she was 61 years old. 61, but she remains uh, the, how do I say this, the longest serving monarch okay. or empress. Yeah. At the time, yeah. Yeah. Um, empress consort, probably. No, she was empress. She oh, was official right. empress and queen of Hungary. Wow. Yeah. So that's obviously her very tragic end, but it's important to talk about legacy. talk about her legacy. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, she is, I think, definitely one of the most talked about royals from the royal era. Absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of people just think, why? And I think it's partly because, as we said at the beginning, she's a romanticized figure who, symbol- who symbolized, you know, grace and femininity and whatever. But also because she had a tragic life that was marked with personal struggles and an untimely death, which has only added to a yeah. sense of sympathy and fascination. I think as well, the sense of sympathy comes from, you know, in, in the mental health crisis we have now, you feel so deeply for those who had such clear signs of struggling i mean mm. this is a young girl who's gone through so so much and you can see the physical you know damage she's done to herself the mental damage and as an effect of the environment she was in at the time but obviously at that time and you see this throughout history and you know luckily things are changing now with a lot more awareness i mean you see it with this young girl going into court and how she was treated and you know instead of you know being there for her you had arch archduchess sophie taking away her children and not allowing her to breastfeed and um and then you know you have in the first world war the shock that the soldiers went through and they'd come back home mm. and they'd have shell shock but no one knew what shell shock was yeah, exactly. you know you you didn't understand this the the mentality behind it all yeah and you know, now we look back and maybe we romanticize her as almost a way of apologizing for what she went through and feeling that because, you know, now it's getting better that, you know, the support and being okay not to be okay. Yes. You know what I mean? Whereas exactly. there it was absolutely unacceptable not to be okay. Yes, exactly. And that's, I think, why, you know, she's romanticized and, and you know, seen as a bit of a heroine at yes, the time you exactly. know um someone who got through all these struggles yeah would you say she is a national icon in austria yeah yeah absolutely okay. i mean it's like she's like the von Trapps. 
Right. Everyone knows, you know, the Von Trapps. They know Mozart. They know. Wait, the Von Trapps were real. Yes. Really? What? Okay, yes, I thought my, that. I'm pretty sure my Omi knew like the youngest one. No way. Yes, the Von Trapp family. Oh my god. Okay, I thought that, that was all made <laughs> no. up. No. <laughs> wow. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> History facts. <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay. Um, maybe yeah, we should no, have that. The Von Trapp family. No, this is what I mean. We're talking. Great Austrians. Great, great Austrian. <laughs> great Austrians. Um, but anyway, um, I think we'll have to leave it there. Um, but I mean, we could talk about going. To we could talk about her hours. It's true. It's true. She's um, a very interesting person, and she is. She's a very complex person, and but I think that's why people like. Uh, that's interested why people in like her. her. You know, yes, yeah. she's not another one of these just classic, you know, um, wives, um, wife of an emperor. She yes. is. The, it's almost she's the focus yes. and Franz Josef's going around being like who are you it's like yeah. oh, I'm Sissy's husband people don't like, remember Franz Josef at all yeah, like they remember Franz her Josef. yeah exactly it's so um, true. yeah with her complexity and stuff really fascinating character really but fascinating. um yeah I'm but, yeah. so happy to be here yes, <laughs> thank you so much Morris I really 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 appreciate all of your input very very nice to have an Austrian's Some perspective Austrian knowledge yeah exactly <laughs> and um a little shout out to your to your mum. Yeah, shout um, out to my mum who, yeah. you know, she should really be here. Who just, before, <laughs> who just before we came to record this episode, Morris was like, "Oh my god, my mum was talking for about forty five minutes nonstop, giving me giving me things to say." I think next time you ask my mum to be on this. Yes, I know exactly. I think shout out to Edith. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Edith, if you're listening, you need to be on the next on the next version of this podcast. Fantastic. Um, but yes, okay. Well, that's everything. That's all from us. So thank you very much. See you next time. See you next time. Goodbye.